The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. We will um, continue our teaching on in the book of Colossians. We're in chapter 3 of the book of Colossians. Today, we will be reading Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1 to 17. Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1 to 17. New Living Translation, the NLT. Part 1, we looked at um, Paul talking to the church in Colossae and, and saying to them that Jesus plus nothing equals, just plus something equals what? Nothing. Saying if you add anything to Jesus, it equals nothing. It's, it's going to negate your faith when you begin to say Jesus and this or Jesus and that. Faith must be absolute in Christ before it produces results. And, it, and, and he said to them invariably that Jesus plus nothing equals what? Everything. So Paul is saying to you and I, the church in Colossae, and to, to us, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And we also shared in, the, in that part one, that verse 22 that of, of verse chapter 1, that you are holy. Not you will be holy. You are holy and blameless as you stand before God without a single fault. And we explained that when we show up in worship, in prayer, in prayer, God looks at us and he doesn't see a single fault. In fact, that is difficult for some of us to comprehend, but that, that's just how it is. Um, then last week, part two, verse six, we, we, I'm doing like a recap, you know. Verse six says, and now, just as you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must, everybody say you must, you must continue to follow him. If there's a problem with the church, capital letter C church, globally today, is the fact that we have people that have accepted Christ with their mouths, but they have refused to follow him indeed. So, so you have a disconnect, and the world looks at us, and the world is saying, are, are you Christians? Why? Because we say we are Christians, but we don't follow Jesus. And, and we made a commitment last week that not only would we say we are Christians, we will follow Jesus. Praise the Lord. And that's it. We shared last week, the word of God says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and eye-sounding nonsense. And in, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in bodily form. So there's a lot of theories going on out there and God is saying to you, don't let anyone confuse you. Don't let anyone bamboozle you. Don't let anyone capture you. And we, and we explained the five issues with the Colossian church, which are, number one, Downgrading Christ, always oh, on the screen. Oh, I thought you guys were. <laughs> Downgrading Christ, number two, put it up, it's okay. Number two, ceremonialism. Number three, asceticism. Number four, angel worship. Number five, and, and we went into detail on these issues. I mean, we did, we did, and we saw that 
is not only true with the Colossian church, it is true with us today. And we, we said last week that if there's a summary of chapter 2 of, 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 of the book of uh, Colossians, it's in verse 10, and it says that you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. I'm complete in Christ. So I, I engage in spiritual warfare knowing I am what? Complete in Christ. Who is this Christ? Is the head. Everybody say head. Is the head of all principality and power. And I am complete in him. Wow. It's, 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 it's beautiful. Praise the Lord. So today, off the bat, we can see from the scriptures that um, the young man read that <laughs> amazing. I used to be the one people used to refer to as the young man. I'm saying young man. The young man read in Christ there is no distinction based on race on class or human category. There's no distinction in Christ. Whether you are rich, whether you are poor, whether you are a slave, whether you are an houseboy, whether you are a driver, whether you, when, you, when you are in Christ, we are all, we are all the same. That's what we read. In Christ, there's no distinction based on race. Whether you are Igbo, whether you are Alsa, whether you are a BBO, whether you are ethnic, whether you are Yoruba, whether you are whether you are, and the list goes on and on and on. In Christ, there's no distinction. And in verse 11, it says, in this new creation, all distinctions, what? Vanish. In this new creation, all distinctions vanish. There can be neither Greek, nor Jew, nor circumcised, nor uncircumcised, no difference between nations and ethnicity, you will, nor slave or free man, but Christ is all. Everybody say Christ is all. And in all, everything and everywhere to all men without distinction of persons. Without distinction of persons. Christ is all. Christ is also, so you, 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 you have people that say, Oh, that person is from, from this tribe. You know, I was speaking to, to, um, speaking to a young man. Why are you not married? Good guy. Good job. Filled with the Holy Ghost. You know. He says, I want to marry. And so what's the problem? Can't you see all these beautiful babes around? Should I help you? Say, but pastor, that one, ah, <laughs> she's a robot girl, oh, ha, a robot, why you? I say, really? Say, ah, that one, ah, you go, ah, that one will beat me, oh, if I, <laughs> say, that one, I will say, ah. I 
you know, and I, and I wonder, we still make choices based on race. It's sad. Totally sad. Because in Christ, there's no distinction. There's no male, there's no female. There's no class, there's no distinction. We have, you know, listen to the dialogue and, 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 and the people having the conversation were saying, ah, that believers, that, oh, there's a tribe called the Osu tribe. If their son ever marries anybody, we disown the guy, their son. I said, what is this Osu tribe? They are outcasts. I said, outcasts? Who made them outcasts? Their forefathers did something. If a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are water. Passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. Say, Pastor, be realistic. So are you going to say that, you know, I'm an, I'm an original Iboma. Am I going to say that my son should marry an Osu? I said, if, the, if your son is born again, and the Osu lady is born again, and they love themselves, and they want to get married, let them get married. Period. Say, Pastor, but this is going to be challenging. No? Challenging to who? Will you allow the word of God to be final? Or will you allow the traditions of men to be final? Is it going to be the word of God or the tradition of men? You know, I've said before, I've said it in my, um, weddings that I, that I have the privilege to minister. You know, there was this particular but the real life story. The guy was, I think maybe the guy is Yoruba, the girl is Yoruba, I can't remember, but one of them was Yoruba, one of them was Yoruba. And the, the parents will not have it. So they went through hell to even get the two families to come and attend service. The worship service, the wedding ceremony. And the pastor, of course, knew all the story and prayed with them through all the trials. And he stood up and the pastor said, a Yoruba Christian should not marry an Igbo Christian. And the fact, hmm, the mother was like, hmm. And they will look at the, their in-law, they will eye them. <laughs> and the pastor said, an Igbo Christian should not marry a Yoruba Christian. And was like, you see? We talk And the pastor dropped the bombshell. If you are an Igbo Christian, then you are not a Christian. If you are a Yoruba Christian, then you are not a Christian. A Christian is a Christian. One blood. One body. One baptism. One spirit. A Christian is a Christian. You know, and you know, I have a friend in the, in the, in the U.S., a pastor. He was writing a book, Church Diversity, because segregation is a major issue in the U.S., white, black. You know, there are black churches, there are white churches. And he wanted me to contribute to the book. So, so I, I wrote like a part of a chapter in, in his book. And, you know, and I give an example of one time where we had all our ministers together way, way back. And, you know, and uh, <laughs> Pastor Kule. <laughs> was playing, you know, in my house, we had this game, you know, so when the missiles come, we try to play a game together, 
was playing the, the boxing game, right? The virtual boxing game with some other guy. And the wife of the other guy, you know, particularly had beaten the guy to, <laughs> as in the virtual guy, not the physical guy. So the wife said, without thinking, don't let this Yoruba man beat you. I said to myself, come, 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 come. You see, because people still think in colors, in tribal colors. You need to set yourself free from that. The question is, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace? Is cannot remove. So Paul is saying to us there's no dis- distinction in Christ. There's no segregation in Christ. And in verse 3, we see the word of God saying, since you have been raised to a new life, to new life in Christ, set your sights. Everybody set your sights. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. You know, Heaven is not, it's not fiction. It's not, it's, not, it's not just imaginary. Heaven is real. And God is saying, set your sight on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at the right hand, at God's right hand. Think about. That was the think about. Now will set your affection on the things that are in heaven. Not the things are on earth, for you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your affection, set your vision, set your sight, not on an imaginary thing, but on the realities. And was the realities? On the realities of heaven. So we see chapter 1, you know, um, Paul Focus chapter 1 of Colossians on the supremacy of Christ. That's when he said he, he existed before the world was created. And he, he established supremacy of Christ. And in, in, in chapter 2, Paul focused on victory over external dangers, external influences, philosophies, you know, teachings of men and all that. But in chapter 3, Paul is focusing on victory over internal danger. As Christians, Paul is, is moved from just establishing the supremacy of Christ 
to, to preventing us from, from lies from without, but is empowering us to have victory from within. Praise the name of the Lord. So, our new life in Christ requires ongoing development. Our new life in Christ requires ongoing development. Ongoing development. You, as you have given your life to Jesus, you have to follow Jesus. And you follow Jesus every day. It requires ongoing development. And sometimes, that's where a lot of people have a challenge. Why? Because they would rather just give their life to Jesus on Sunday and continue business as usual on Monday. No, God wants you to follow Jesus on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, and even on Sunday. And like, like if, you, if you draw an analogy with the physical development, someone that wants to uh, do physical development, you, you, can, you can tell that it's, 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 it can be hard to be consistent. Ask anyone that has lost a significant amount of weight, or anyone that is, is, is building muscle, he goes to the gym, hits the gym every day. If you, if you, want, to, if you want to build some muscle and you hit the gym once in a month, what will happen? Okay, you visit the gym um, so every Sunday. Then you eat a bamala on Monday. Fufu, edikaiko on Tuesday. Then Saturday, then Sunday, you come shop in the gym. Boom, 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 boom. What will happen? You know, why I'm laughing, why I'm laughing is that I remember what happened to me just this Monday. You know, I'm not a gym person because, you know, I'm I'm a sports person. I'd rather keep fit by playing sports than by going to gym. Why? Because I just don't like running on the same spots, not going anywhere for 30 minutes. doesn't make sense to me. No pun intended for gym lovers. I prefer to score a goal and celebrate and win a match or lose a match and re-strategize to win a match. I, I prefer that. So, this Monday, I said, okay, let me go to the gym because some other guys were using the courts. I mean, Tolu and Fana were using the courts, tennis courts. So, so I went to the, to the gym. So I got to the gym. You know, I was feeling very fit, you know. When you enter a place with some confidence. <laughs> so, so I bounced into the gym and the instructor said to me, um, okay. You want to start with the treadmill? I said, no, 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 no. I played like two hours of tennis. Okay, so okay, cardio is fine. So let's do some stretch. I said, no, 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 no. I looked at the bench press. I said, I want to carry some weight. <laughs> and the guy said, um, okay. And uh, we loaded, in his opinion, uh, some weight to start with so that I can increase it. So I got under the thing, and I couldn't lift it. Now, we'll tell you the way so you don't laugh. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you. He loaded 15 kg on this side, 50 kg on this side. The bar was 20 kg. That is what, 50 kg. 
I couldn't sleep with the cake. That's, that's shameful. For, for a man my age. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> so the guy, the guy says, try. I just, <laughs> the guy says, focus. I said, I'm focusing. <laughs> and, and the guy said, you've never carried weight before? I said, never. In your life? I said, never. And he looked at me. And in my mind, I thought, oh yeah, he was appreciating my muscles. I said, how did he develop these muscles without carrying weight? And he said, so what have you been doing with your life? I kid you not. I kid you not. The, the instructor said that to me. He said, so, so what have you been doing with your life? And I was there looking at him. I said, it's not your fault. <laughs> so, I wanted to tell him I have been doing spiritual exercises. Do you know the spiritual weight I carry? Can you carry it? But I, I decided to be humble. <laughs> so he offloaded his and put seven and a half, seven and a half. I still couldn't lift it. I kid you not. That's 15, 20, 35. I, I did, but I could. I, I did actually, but my hands were shaking. I couldn't bench press it. So put it back. It loaded five. So I could do five. No, it's not five. I said 10 plus 20, 30 kg. So I could do 30 kg. Now because this guy has insulted me, I needed to show him. He says I should do 10. I said only 10. I did 10. He said I should do another 10. I did another 10. Meanwhile, my body was aching. I did like five reps. Ten, 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 ten. And he said to me, oh, you are going to feel the pain tomorrow. I said, no. My body's fit is used to this thing. The following day, my arms were wasted. As if I was... He says, okay, so he's going to give me, he says he's going to give me the following day to rest. I should come on Wednesday. Till now, I've not gone back. <laughs> he wants to keep pressing. <laughs> I will be going back though. But softly, softly. Now, now, now the, the key thing here is this. Consistent can, consistency can be difficult. It's physical things. It's spiritual things. It's not different. You want to build spiritual muscles. You have to be consistent with Christ. You have to be consistent in prayer. You have to be consistent in church. You have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. Consistent. The first time you carry the weight, your muscle will ache. But keep Keep pumping it. Praise the name of the Lord. And one of the reasons I'm not go, I may not go back is not because it's because 
I want to keep fit in another way. <laughs> I don't like big muscles after all. I just want to be fit. Some of you don't believe me. <laughs> so, Paul says to us, to gain victory over the enemy, you must do three things. From the scripture we read, you must do three things. The first thing you do, number one, put to death. Everybody say put to death. The second thing you do, you put off. Everybody say put off. Then the third thing you do, you put on. Everybody say put on. Put on. Verse 5 says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Verse, uh, the KJV of verse 5 says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Mortify, put to death. The amplified version says, so kill. Everybody say kill. So kill, deaden, deprive of power, the evil desire, lurking in your members. Those animal impulses. Everybody say animal impulses. And all the earthly, and all that is earthly in you that is employed in sin. You know, there's, there's this popular brand that, just, that says, just do it. And there's this saying, people say, oh, it's your life. If it feels good, do it. Just do what makes you feel good. Just if, you, if, you just, if it feels good to you, it's not hurting anybody, just do it. That's what animals do. You are not an animal. Praise the name of the Lord. You can't just do it. And Paul is saying, this, you mortify, you put to death, you kill. A man, man of God, called Charles Spurgeon, says, and I quote, says, beware of no man more than of yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. Says Charles Spurgeon. If you will fear any man, the fan you should fear is yourself. If there's somebody that can stop you from reaching your objective, from reaching your destiny, it's not the witch in the village. They are too small. They are under your feet. Can't you see that? You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, far above what? Principalities and powers. It's not your boss. Because promotion does not come from the east, not from the west. It comes from God. Your life is not in any man's hands. The only man, person, you should fear is yourself. What you are capable of doing that can destroy you. That's what you should be afraid of. And Paul is saying to us, mortify. I'm going to explain what it is to mortify. And I will explain what it is to put off. And to put on, then we look at what to mortify, what to put off, what to put on. To mortify means to kill. To put to death. To kill. That's a hard word. Very hard. The animal instinct. God says, kill. Kill. Everybody say kill. We're having a service. Just even after service, I don't know if some of you remember. Service had ended where we're, we're saying the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit said to me, there's someone here, you, you are female, you have had your dog had sexual encounters with you. I was like, yee, 
But I made the call. And the lady came to see me after service. I'm like, I'm trying to imagine. How did it even enter your head? Your doctor lick you up. How? Of course. Jesus broke the power. Blah, 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 blah. And she should be serving God now. President of the Lord. But the key thing is that there are some base animal instincts that the enemy wants to, to reduce you to. God says kill. I was say kill. God did not say pet. God did not say subdue. God did not say educate. Some of us, we think we can educate our instincts. Let it be more educated. God said kill. So how, how do you kill? Simple. Two ways of killing. Practical, scriptural. How do you kill? Number one, you hand over that to the Holy Ghost. You say, you, you put your life on the altar and you surrender that thing to the Holy Spirit and you say the, to the Holy Spirit, kill this thing, consume this thing. And guess what? It will. It will be a very painful process, I can assure you. Oh, yes, but it will. Number two, the work hand in hand is how do you multiply? Is you deprive of power. You deprive, like the Amplified Version says, deprive of power. You deprive anything that is an appetite of power by refusing to feed it and starving it to death. There's this guy that does dog fights. He has two dogs, let's say Lucky and Bingo. And he takes the dogs to fight. He bet, the day he bets on Lucky, Lucky always beats Bingo. The day he bets on Bingo, Bingo always beats Lucky. And he has chopped all their money in betting. He's collected all their money. And now came back and said, said okay, tell us, do you connive with these dogs? Because we don't understand. He says it's simple. The day I want Lucky to win, I feed Lucky and I starve Bingo. So Bingo is, is frail. When I want Bingo to win, I feed Bingo, I'll be feeding Bingo, I will starve Lucky. The same thing. Whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you feed will be strong. If you feed your flesh, your flesh will be strong. If you feed, feed your spirit man, your spirit man will be strong. You cannot feed the two. Feeding one deprives life from the other. That's what it is to mortify. Put to death. What does it mean to put off? The word put off and put on there is it's used figuratively to meaning wearing a cloth and putting a cloth off. So in other words, you have a garment on you. To put off means to go through the pains, losing the buttons, take it off your head and put it down. That's what it is to put off. To put on means take the, the material, go through the pains, wear it, button up, tuck it in if it's a shirt, and put it on. Why is this important? Why is this important? It's so important because verse 6 says that because of these sins, because of these sins, the anger of God 
is coming on the children of disobedience. Now, you know, I know there's a lot of um, teaching out there that says you don't need to um, repent of your sins, you know. Jesus had died for you. Just continue sinning. You don't need to repent. Repentance is in the Old Testament. I've heard the, I've heard the preachers preach that on TBN. Repentance is in the Old Testament. We are under grace, church, and the old church shouted, Grace. What? Of course we are under grace. What have you seen? Repent. That is what grace is about. Thank God this is the New Testament. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming upon those that continue in them. So, what to put to death? Quickly, verse 5 says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing. Everybody say, have nothing. Have nothing. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. Have nothing to do with it. In other words, don't even flirt. That's what have nothing to do with it means. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality. But pastor, we, we, we didn't really um, um, have intercourse. We just, we just talked on phone and, you know, and we just said dirty things on the phone. And, you know, that's not sin, is it? Is this sin? Is this sin? I just sent him a nude picture. He didn't touch me. I've not seen that, have I? Oh, Pastor, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't um, sleep together. We just did oral. Oral. Is that sin? <laughs> no, the questions people ask these days sometimes, I, I'm like, what? Really? You can ask that question with your mouth? The word of God says, I have nothing to do with sexual immorality. If she's not your wife, if he's not your husband, you have no business flirting with her. You have no business flirting with him. I have nothing. Everybody say nothing. I have nothing to do with sexual immorality. I have nothing to do with and of course, by the time you start getting to homosexuality and all those things, that's, that's even way, way, way beyond. You know, I don't even need to talk about that, do I? Uh-huh. I have nothing to do with impurity. <clears throat> anything that defiles you, anything that makes you impure, I have nothing to do with it. Put it to death. Don't keep it alive. Put it to what? Put it to death. Lost. Put it to death. Put it to death. If there's something that the current world puts in your face, it's the reality of your sexuality. They put it in your face. If you have it, flaunt it. A little cleavage will not kill anybody. Will it? Everybody's quiet now. Very quiet. 
saying, now listen, these things can drag you to the dogs. Put it to death. Don't pamper it. Don't toy with it. Don't think you can educate it. Don't think you can control it. Keep. Put it what? Everybody say put it to death. Evil desires. What's an evil desire? It's simple. An evil desire is different ways. You see a man and his wife coming to church, loving Jesus, and you are there thinking, if she dies now, I will be the one to marry this man. Ah, you're laughing. People are thinking those kind of thoughts in church. There was a lady that, uh, that, that you know, we were ministering, midweek service, a long time ago, and God said to me, there's someone that said this today, and I said it, that you said this, you have a colleague that you have been flirting with, and you are praying, she's actually praying, she was actually praying, that your wife cannot take care of him well, that he comes to the office, he, she has to be the one to, 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 to choose him more. So God should, everyone that is sitting on our inheritance, fall down uh, and die. I gave the call. Did I give the call? No, I didn't give the call. So at the end of the service, she was angry. She was livid. You know, truth is bitter. She told her friend, I brought her to the church, that I'm not coming to your church again. Then your pastor is a, is a very proud young boy. The one that is choking her is different. It's different. But she kept coming. Today she's a pastor. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Now, the, the key thing is this. Evil desires. God will give you your own husband. You don't need to wish another person's husband. God's wife will die. Come on. If I don't mind that you think he's such a good man, <laughs> if he shows you who he really is, <laughs> you'll be thanking God that God didn't bring him your way. And evil desires can go on and on and on. I, I, I stop there. And, and God, it goes, it goes on to say, don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of the world. What is greed? It's simple. Greed is, there's a difference between your need and your want. Greed is needing what you want. What you need is different from what you want. Now, how many cars does a man really need? One. God can bless him with three, can bless him with five. It's fine. But how many cars does a man really need? Okay, two. One to drop the children, one for the wife, right? Let's say two, right? Some people say three. Okay, three. You have three already. But you want to have seven. So that when you are going to the village in a convoy, now, you want it so much that you think you need it. That is greed. Greed is when you make your 
want your need. Now, so those are the things we need to put to death. God says put to death sexual immorality, impurity, put to death lust, put to death evil desires, put to death greed, put it to death. Now, we look at what we need to put off and what we need to put on. Because what you wear, putting on and putting off, what you wear is what people see. It's what you wear that people see. When you wear red, what do people see? Red. When you wear purple, what do people see? Purple. So what you wear is what people see. People can't see your heart, but people can see what you wear. They can see your attitude. I say, oh, pastor, I don't know why everybody thinks I'm proud. I'm just a humble person, you know. They have a problem, all of them. They think I'm proud. But I'm very humble. Most likely, check, you may be wearing pride. Just check, just check. I know you are humble, but, but just check. Just look in the mirror. Okay, quickly, what to put off? What to put off? Verse 8 says, but now is the time. When? Now is the time to put off all this anger. Everybody say anger. Rage. That is rot. Malice. Blasphemy. Filthy communications, dirty language out of your mouth, and lies. Those things, you know, put them off. Don't wear them. The things to put off means you can easily wear them. God says don't wear them. Put them off. Anger. You know, some of us are just proud to be angry people. Anger is not going to get you anywhere. Put it off. Rage is anger in action. In other words, you've, you've moved from being angry to manifesting. You're in rage. You're breaking things. You're pushing people. You're punching people. You're threatening people. God says, put it off. Everybody put it off. Filthy communication. Dirty language. It's amazing. When people are under pressure, they use foul language. I was playing tennis with some guy, a believer, born again. And I think, I can't remember the shots, but it was something he should, he should kill. And he came to the net, he wanted to kill it, and he just hit the net. He said, shite! <laughs> shite! I said, what's that? He said, shit! <laughs> I'm like, now I didn't judge him, I didn't say anything. But I just smiled and the game went on. But you see, the key thing is this. God says, put off filthy communication. It's so filthy that it's punkinized the you shit into shite. (laughs) 
Praise the Lord. People use the F words. People use the B words. People use the T words. If you don't know what they are, then don't worry. Keep them off your mouth. You can substitute them. Now, that's what I've done. I mean, before I used to be very cussy, cussy. But you can substitute them. Instead of, you can say sugar. Instead of she say sugar. Instead of using the F word, say favor. <laughs> Is favor not an F word? I'll say, come on. I'll just substitute it. Nobody saying you should deny the emotion or not express the emotion. But don't let filthy communication come out of your mouth. Put it off. Everybody put it off. Don't lie one to another. For you have stripped off the old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So, so that's, that's the things to put off. So we've seen the things to put to death. We've seen the things to put off. Now let's look at the things to put on. What to put on? Verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves, which is put on. Clothe yourselves. Put on tender-hearted mercy. What kind of mercy? Tender-hearted mercy. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on gentleness. Put on patience. Above all, clothe yourself with what? With love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. So, what should you put on? Tender-hearted mercy. No, let's, let's take one by one. Tender-hearted mercy. So, what is mercy? What is to be tender-hearted means to be what? Soft-hearted. Don't be hard. Don't be harsh. Mercy. Soft-hearted mercy. Bowels of mercy. That's what it means. Soft-hearted mercy. Mercy means, what is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. That's grace, right? That's, that's grace. What's mercy? Not getting what you deserve. That's mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So when God says you, you have tender added mercy, in other words, sometimes people deserve for you to give them a knock. Don't give them what they deserve. That is being merciful. Your husband deserves a talking to. He deserves it. I agree. Pastor, he really deserves it. I agree. But be merciful. Don't give him what he deserves. Your wife deserves to be disciplined. Uh, I know. But don't give her what she deserves. Be merciful. So please look at your neighbor and say be merciful. Put on tender-hearted mercy, kindness, 
The next thing to put on is what? Kindness. Be kind. Then the next thing to put on is what? Humility. Be humble. Be humble. Humility. You know, what you put on, the beauty of what you put on, the difference, the, what you put on is other people can see what you put on. So, if you are colorblind, you are put on um, um, uh, purple, and you think it's blue. And one, two, three, four, five people is, are telling you, you are wearing purple. And you are insisting that you are wearing blue. But guess what? They can also see what you put on. So maybe you want to check. It may just be purple. So put on humility. If you are humble, people can see. If you are proud, people can, people can see. Gentleness. <sighs> I need that. Gentleness. Some of us, we are more aggressive than the others. Some of us also calm down. Be gentle. <laughs> yeah, this is testimony. Calm down. He has adrenaline. Calm down. And patience. And above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. Now, if you put to death, if you put off and you put on these things, you find out how beautiful your life begins to, sh- to shape up. You put to death lust, sexual immorality, greed. Put to death. You put off. You put off. What? Anger. Rage. Malice. Blasphemy. Dirty language. Thank you. Maybe that was for him. You put off. Then you put on. Put on what? Come on. Tender-handed mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and love. To radiate Christ becomes effortless. When you put to death what you need to put to death. When you put off what you need to put off. And when you put on what you need to put on. And in putting on love, there's a key to putting on love. Loving some people are difficult to love. But there's a key to putting on love, and it's in verse 13. Verse 13 says, make allowance. Everybody say make allowance. Make allowance for each other's faults. Everybody has a fault. We are all faulty. When we get to heaven, we'll be perfect. And forgive one another's offense. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So, the Bible did not say, be faultless with one another. The Bible did not say, don't offend one another. You will offend. But the Bible says, make allowance. Everybody make allowance. If I know this person is a talkative, and the person comes to me, I'm not saying a gossip, I'm saying a talkative, two different things. And the person comes to me, and talks, 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 talks. Maybe I want to shut the person off 
But if I make allowance for the person, what, do I, what does that mean? I just give myself some room. Maybe I will have given the person 15 minutes. There are people when I'm meeting, it's 10 minutes. They are sharp. Go straight to the point. Pastor, this is, can we pray about this? And we pray 10 minutes. God has answered us. For some people, I need to give them 45 minutes. To say the same thing, somebody has said it 10 minutes. It's true, I'm telling you. I make allowance for them. Because that's how they are. I'm not going to, God is not saying change each other. God says make allowance for each other. Some people, God is helping them with anger. They get angry easily. Make allowance for them. They're not perfect. They're in in a process, work in progress. Make allowance. Make allowance. When we make allowance for each other, love becomes effortless. Effortless. Praise the name of the Lord. And finally, Paul seems to be rounding up the whole thing with thanksgiving. Interestingly, today is our thanksgiving service. Paul saying in verse 16 and 17, says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. In all wisdom, teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. With what? With thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as representative of the Lord Jesus. Doing what? Giving thanks through him to the Father. To God the Father. We deliberately set aside as a church, church culture, which um, we are happy to continue. We deliberately set aside a Sunday in the month when we say thank you to God. Why? It's not because we shouldn't say thank you every day. We do say thank you every day. But we, we do a culture of saying thank you. We have a culture of saying thank you to God every month to remind us how God has been faithful, kind, benevolent to us. And we have to continue singing and dancing that we do. We are just, you can see it in the Bible. God wants us to sing. He wants us to dance. He wants us to be grateful. So when we begin to thank God, don't just stand there. Frigid. Dance before God. Thank him in your heart. Verbalize it. Praise the name of the Lord. So I want to pray with you this morning. You are saying, Pastor, the things I need to put to death, I can see them. I can see them. Sexual immorality, lust, I can see them. But I need the power of the Holy Spirit to put them to death, as you have said, but I don't even know Christ. I don't know Jesus. Well, I used to be born again. But I'm far from God right now. Pastor, would you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Can we bow down our hearts as we bow down our heads? I don't need you to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I'll pray with you. Wherever you are seated. Pastor, pray with me. I need to come to Jesus. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to mortify the things I need to mortify. To put off the things I need to put off. To put on the things I need to put on. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Put up your hand. 
Now, quickly, over your head. God bless you. Come up your hand. Well, 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 over your head. Quickly, God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you right there. God bless you right there. I can see your hand over there. God bless you, my brother. I can see you. Keep the hands up. God bless you, my brother, right there. I can see your hand. God bless you. At, at the overflow, do we have an overflow? Okay. At the overflow, the, you put up your hands. The ushers will attend to you. They, are, they will attend to you online. Respond. This, the instructions are scrolling. Pastor, pray with me. Put up that hand boldly. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. Until you have a card. Keep the hand. God bless you, my sister, right there. God bless you, my sister, right there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. I want to pray with you, Ross, right now. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you right there. That is me. Jesus, mighty name, we are praying.